Good evening, my lovelies, and a blessed full moon tonight. It is the strawberry moon, the full moon here in June. And um, just wanted to talk a little bit tonight about the full moon and things to do with it. Um, if you did not know, the reason why it's called a strawberry moon is that... Native Americans, back before calendars and things of that nature, saw this moon and meant that the strawberries, wild strawberries, would soon be able to be harvested because they would be ripe soon. Um, other cultures called this particular moon the honey or the mead moon, which kind of goes into, you know, why do you call a honeymoon, you know, when you get married? A honey moon because I was curious and I was kind of doing some research into the different um, different things about this month's moon and you know I delve into things and after finding out why it's called the strawberry moon which I think is awfully cute because it's not gonna be pink up in the sky any more pink than it would normally be it's just that you know strawberries will be ripe soon which uh, around here there are places that you can go and you can actually pick your strawberries by the bushel. And uh, I would really love to do that sometime this year, just because it's one of those really fun things that you just do. You go to a farm and you just pick up the strawberries off the little vines. And um, when I was little, the home I lived in in Texas, you could find all kinds of different things growing in the backyard. They just grew naturally. We didn't plant them, they just were. And one of those things was the tiniest, itty bittiest little wild strawberries. And I remembered watching them grow and they didn't get much larger than say a gumdrop. Um, probably because Texas and the soil probably wasn't the best, but they certainly tried. And one year after they turned green and they turned red and ripe and pretty, I picked them and they were so sour because <laughs> they were so small, but um, back to the moon why is it called a honeymoon well it could also be called a mead moon but basically all the way back in babylon um they would essentially after wedding the father of the bride would supply the groom with as much mead as he could drink for an entire month and the Babylonians had a lunar calendar. Back then, they didn't have the calendar that we use today. Um, they used a lunar calendar. So they went by the cycles of the moon, so 28 days. And so essentially, enough mead for that time. And um, other uh, places, other cultures picked that up as well. Because, um, you know, Babylonians were big um, traders. They had a lot of trading routes and things of that nature. And so you also hear, you know, it's uh, enough mead to keep the couple happy for a month. And even the French have a term for it. It's lune de miel. And uh, for whatever reason, in German, it's flitterwalken. Flitter meaning tinsel. I don't know why, but that's what it said. So we're going to go with that. 
and along those lines, um, talking about mead and, you know, mead is made of honey and water. It's basically distilled honey. So it's naturally very sweet. And um, while I was looking through that and kind of going down the rabbit hole, as I do when I research things, um, I learned about why it's called toasting someone when you toast someone. Um, apparently, you would flavor certain types of wine or mead with like a, a spiced piece of toast, which I think is odd, but um, that's apparently what happened way back yonder. But um, typically, a toast was originally raised to the health of a beautiful or a popular woman, and the hope was that her beauty or popularity would sweeten the drink and bring luck to all those who imbibe the drink. And so that's why, you know, to this, to that, to Josephine the Beautiful, you know, random name off the top of my head, um, hopeful that it would just bless and flavor the drink. And then, you know, when people clink their glasses together, that goes back to medieval times. Um, when people were worried about being poisoned by other people. Because you see, when you clink the glasses together, if they're full enough, mind you, if you're doing a champagne flute, they're not going to be full enough. But, you know, we're talking tankards here. Tankards of mead, of beer, of what have you. You clink your glasses together. Some of it sloshes into your neighbor's cup, such like that. So if you're not afraid to clink your glasses together then that means no one's been poisoned. Or if anyone has been poisoned, now everyone's been poisoned and everyone dies. So, you know, either way, happy ending. <laughs> um, but uh, another root of the tradition of toasting someone, it goes down to a sacrificial libation. So when, you know, acolytes, uh, priests of any particular religion... Um, would have, you know, sacred wine, just like in, um, say, a Catholic religion. You know, they have the sacrificial wine, and they basically bless it, and they bring it up, and they basically almost, like, toast with it. Basically, it's a blessing, and it's a raise to the gods. So that's how that kind of came about, you know, blessings upon whomever drinks from it. And the ideal that it will bring good fortune to those that partake. Um, a very interesting thought. But um, along the lines of thinking about the full moon, a lot of craziness happens around about the full moon. Um, you hear from hospitals, police officers, firefighters, that a lot of things happen differently at the time of the full moon. Because you have to remember, we're mostly water. And the moon affects water and affects tides. And so the fuller the moon, the stronger the tides are. And so it is with us. We're water. We are made of water. And so we affect, we are affected by the moon as well. In fact, there was a study done in Australia. Um, let me find it. I wrote it down. Um, <laughs> if I can find it. See, I take notes, hoping that I'll actually, you know, remember things. But I can't remember it. Where is it? I totally did a note on this. Ah, that would be because I didn't rip out that page. Hmm. <laughs> 
So, according to a study at Australia's Calvary Mater Newcastle Hospital, see, that's why I wrote it down, because it's a mouthful, um, full moon brings out basically like a beast in humans. And the, the study found that essentially of 91 violent acute behavior incidents at the hospital between August of 08 and July of 09, now acute behavioral incidents, that's where, say, a patient tried to bite somebody or tried to attack somebody or um, straight up spit on somebody, scratched at somebody, basically acting like a wild animal. Um, 23% happened during a full moon. Now, that doesn't seem very high, but when you think about 91 of them, and so that means at least 18, well, I'm not doing the math properly in my head, but more than 18 of them were all during a full moon. And that might not say much to you, but if you talk to anyone in those fields, they'll tell you that people go a little bit cuckoo round about the full moon. And that got me to thinking, you know, the stories about werewolves and the stories about the beast within. And so I started thinking about, you know, what makes people think about on the full moon that we just turn into a beast? I know we've all seen something in this world about werewolves, whether it's the old black and white movies where it literally is just a really bad suit where the fur's just fallen off of it, or in the newer movies where, you know, you've got the werewolves versus the vampires and you've got uh, Bella trying to figure out who's who. <laughs> or, you know, um, an American werewolf in Paris, which was my first uh, foray into anything werewolf. I was young. I was not supposed to be watching TV at all. Ver very much, um, my words just didn't work. Um, I was not supposed to be watching TV at all, much less watching horror movie at six or seven years old. And uh, we happened to have Dish and living where we did in Texas and old Dish. This is early 90s, folks. I'm aging myself. But um, essentially, if the giant grasshoppers got on the dish, you couldn't use it. I distinctly remember that. But um, watching American Werewolf in Paris and seeing the transformation and being terrified and hoping that that would never happen to me and I'm never getting bit or scratched or anything by any kind of wolf or any kind of person and heaven forbid my brother scratch me the next day and I freak out thinking I'm going to turn into a werewolf. <laughs> but... Um, so I started looking into what kind of brought that along. And so it turns out that werewolves go back really far in ancient history. Um, some people say that the founding fathers of Rome, Romulus and Remus, were werewolves because, you know, the story goes that um, Romulus and Remus twins were um, abandoned by their mother and raised by wolves. There's um, carvings and effigies of them sucking from the wolf's teat. They were raised that way. And they united the small city-states in what was to become Rome. And so some people think that it started all the way back then. 
other people. You see it in um, Greek mythology, the legend of Lycaon. Lycaon is the son of Pelasgus. I wanted to write Pelagius so bad because I, I play Skyrim and that's a character. Um, but that's not what it was, Pelasgus. Um, he angered Zeus. And you don't want to do that in Greek mythology. There's two things you know about Greek mythology. Either A, you don't want to anger the gods, or B, everything is because Zeus can't keep it in his pants. Like, those are the two main things about Greek mythology that you need to know to understand anything. And this one is... Lycaon angered Zeus, and what happened was he decided that he was going to entertain Zeus for dinner, and he had sacrificed a young boy to the gods, and then he decided that he was going to be smart and carve up the boy's carcass and feed it to Zeus. Zeus, of course, knew what it was, was furious, and he turned Lycaon and his sons into wolves as punishment. And so this, of course, is the first Greek mention of werewolves. Um, a lot of people believe that the earliest reference was in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the oldest known Western prose. So the oldest known story that was written down. Um, basically, the idea is that in this story, Gilgamesh, the main character, of course, because it's the Epic of Gilgamesh, he rejected a potential lover because she had been rumored to have turned her previous lover into a wolf because she was scorned. So that's a very early kind of idea of that. Um, now, werewolf means man-wolf. Obviously, where? Man, wolf, wolf. Um, and so just the idea of men being turned into wolves is where this sort of began. There's even a Viking story. It's called the Saga of the Volsungs. And essentially what this is, is that a father and a son found these wolf pelts. And they were powerful wolf pelts. And they could turn people into wolves for about 10 days or so. Well, these lovely people decided that they were going to put on the pelts and go on a killing spree that lasted for 10 days. And during this killing spree, because, I mean, we're talking Vikings here, you know, blood, pillage, have fun. Um, essentially, they kept going until the father attacked his son and he caused a lethal wound. And, of course, the father being a father is like, oh, no, what has happened? And this lovely, kind raven gave them a feather, uh, excuse me, a leaf with healing powers. Now, um, I didn't read too far into the story. Um, but typically in Viking mythology, a raven is associated with Odin because, you know, they have, um, Munin and Hugin, who is, um, Odin's, who are Odin's ravens. And it is said that as you see the two ravens flying, that Odin is watching. So my theory, because I haven't read any further into this story and I probably should because it's very interesting. All of these stories are. Um, is that perhaps because Odin was known for, you know, healing sometimes and like enjoying the uh, kind of shenanigans of other people. I'm wondering if the raven that gave them the leaf was actually Odin. But suffice it to say, I don't really know. But I need to look into that a little more because Norse mythology is very interesting. I don't know as much about it, but it's something that I should research. Um... Give me Greek, Roman, Egyptian, 
I know that stuff very well for the most part, unless it's like something obscure. But um, I need to look more into Norse mythology. Now, out of mythology, we have quote-unquote real-life werewolves. Now, you know Europe in the early 15th century, 16th century, things of that nature, people were very paranoid. And we have basically a few instances where people claimed to have taken this particular ointment and it would turn them into a wolf. So there are a couple serial killers from France. Um, the first two are Pierre Burgot and Michel Verdun. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, allegedly, they swore allegiance to the devil and he gave them an ointment and it turned them into wolves. Now, they confessed to multiple murders of children wherein they would essentially eat them and they were burned at the stake. Now, at the time, there were a lot of different ways that you could kill a quote-unquote werewolf. And one of them, and being probably the most readily available one at the time, was to burn them at the stake, a la burning witches. Um, so same idea. They were sentenced to death at the stake. There was always also Giles Garnier, the werewolf of Dole. He also had the werewolf ointment. Um, I'm not sure where these people are getting this ointment from. It's thought that it could be a hallucinogenic ointment made from hallucinogenic plants. Um, it's entirely possible that these guys just had this ointment and had this crazy lucid dream where they were a wolf and they attacked people. But Giles, he was also burned at the stake. Um, he also killed and ate children. I'm not sure why particularly, um, but this is what he was, you know, known for. Um, people don't know if he was just mentally ill, if he was under the influence of hallucinogenic substances. That's the biggest kind of theory out there. Um, or were they just cold-blooded killers? These people were serial killers. Um, but, you know... People in the 16th century, they're very, very superstitious. So, of course, to them, they believed that these were werewolves through and through, that they were beast men, and that only a beast could have done something of this nature. And that's completely believable because, you know, we all have a little bit of beast inside of us, but what happens if you allow that to get out? Now, in Germany, in the 15th century... There was this really wealthy farmer. Her name was Peter Stubble. And Peter was not a very nice guy. Um, he was a farmer in Bedburg, Germany. And he's probably the most notorious werewolf in history. Um, he claimed that he turned into a werewolf-like creature at night. And that he even would have elongated jaws and that his teeth would become multiplied. He would have more and they would get longer. He claimed that he would grow fur and actually have wolf-like attributes. And um, he was basically blamed because hunters saw him shapeshift from a wolf to a human. And he's like, yeah, I do that. Which is, you know, understood if you are on something 
or if you believe in these things or if you really and truly are a shapeshifter. But essentially, he was said to have killed and eaten a majority of the citizens of Bedburg um, from animals, men, women, children. And uh, he basically was taken captive after someone saw him shapeshift and he was tortured he was tortured horribly and so of course during the torturing he confessed he said that he had a belt that allowed him to transform into a wolf Um, of course this belt was never found but he said that he had it and this man also was burned at the stake um Actually, he was given a really, really brutal murder. So we're just going to put it at burned at the stake and leave it at that. Um, Just because you really don't want to uh, know exactly what happened to him. Um, But when talking about werewolves, there's a lot of different ways that they could have turned into a werewolf. Some people say that if you were conceived on a Friday night under the full moon, you'd be a werewolf. Some people say if you were conceived outside under a full moon, same diff. Um, some say it's because of a curse or that they use an enchanted item, a pelt, a uh, ointment, a belt. Some say, and this is um, more of a Grecian thing that goes back to the story of Lycaon and Zeus, is that eating wolf and human meat would permanently turn you into a beast. And so, of course, that's something that they didn't want to do. Um, Not only because you've earned the ire of Zeus, but also because you can't turn back into a person at that point. Um, Also, of course, there's the kind that you see in the movies where if you're scratched or you're bitten, uh, and in a lot of these stories, the person turns at the full moon. Now, that could be, again, because... A lot of weird things happen at the time of the full moon. I don't know if y'all notice, but you see a lot of people kind of agitated at the time of the full moon, like a little extra energy in them and not necessarily negatively agitated. They could be really, really happy. For instance, today I've had an amazing day. It has been a wonderful day for me. I've had the best energy. It was a productive day at work, a very productive day all overall. Um, I got to spend time with someone that's very, very dear to me and I have, you know, just had a wonderful all-around day, and today's a full moon, and usually I have a great time on the full moon. You know, I've got crystals charging in my uh, windowsill. In fact, I need to put some more crystals out into my windowsill. I have a particularly large stone. Uh, It's about the size of the palm of my hand. It's a quartz with a bunch of um, tourmaline in it, very large germinated quartz, and it's absorbed a lot of negativity and um, putting it out into the moon so it can absorb some good energy and kind of purify that negativity out of there. Mm. I just dropped the lid to my water bottle. But it needs to get that purification because I need it to be able to continue to purify negativity. And so I have a lot of stones that I've been using a lot. I have a very large um, piece of obsidian, very large black stone. kind of acts like a mirror and um that also needs to go out and be purified and get some good moonlight juju to it um if it was going to rain tonight i was going to collect the rainwater, but 
it's rained every day this week. And of course, the day that I actually find my umbrella and put it in my car and bring it into the office while I'm at work today is the one day it didn't rain. <laughs> of course, uh, full moon rainwater is very, very, very helpful for a lot of spell work and a lot of intention work. And so I just wanted to collect some, especially from this lovely strawberry moon with such great energy. Um, you can do a lot with the moon water. And so I was truly hoping that I could collect some rainwater from the full moon, but I may just put some water out to pull in the energy from the moon and have it blessed that way. That way I can use it. But in any case, you know, we all are affected by the moon. And so that's why our forefathers, our um, ancestors thought that we could become beasts at that time. Um, but one real world example of what one might call a werewolf, um, and this is true, is a boy named Peter. He's Peter the Wild Boy. He was found in 1725 in a German forest. He was naked, he was walking on his hands and knees, his hair was all messed up. Um, he couldn't speak and he ate with his hands like an animal. And um, King George I thought he was adorable and adopted him and basically brought him into his court and his son George II also did as well. And essentially, Peter lived his life as a pet because they thought he was hilarious. He made noises, he acted like an animal, he was a little wolf boy. And they thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. Um, you don't need a jester when you've got a wolf boy, but um, it's thought today that Peter had what's called Pitt Hopkins syndrome. And Pitt Hopkins syndrome is essentially a condition that causes a lack of speech, causes seizures, distinct facial features, um, kind of animal-like, um, difficulty breathing because of those facial features, um, mental and intellectual challenges. So he's not got all of his faculties. Um, he may very well be possibly on the spectrum or he may just be um, developmentally challenged. Um, and so it is thought that that is something that he may have had. And um, it was very unfortunate that they treated him that way, but it was the 1700s and they just saw, um, you know, a wolf boy. Um, other medical conditions that could have people thinking that they're werewolves. There is an actual condition called lycanthropy, which of course, as we all know, um, a werewolf is considered a lycanthrope. Lycan being, you know, wolf. Also coming from lycaon. Um, it's Greek. Um, it is a rare psychological condition. It causes people to truly believe that they are or that they're changing into a wild animal. Um, it's not very common, but it does happen sometimes. Um, there's also food poisoning, you know, the sort of hallucinate hallucinations from food poisoning um there is hallucination in and of itself mostly because of hallucinogenic herbs um rabies when a dog has rabies you know it it just does not do well and sometimes they will attack people and so people think that maybe that is a beast dog or maybe a person 
that is infected with rabies that starts to have symptoms, they look somewhat beast-like, especially um, back in earlier times before medicine, you might not have known exactly what was going on. And so if a human was infected and they were not treated because at that time, we didn't have treatments like we do today, where you can just go and get a shot. Um, perhaps people thought that they were turning into beasts in that way. And then there's hypotrichosis. It's a rare genetic disorder that causes excessive hair growth. Now, there are people out there that Ripley's, believe it or not, literally calls the Wolfman. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but there are people out there that do have this. They have a lot of hair that grows on their arms and their legs. You see it around their face. They have like little beards. Um, and they just live a normal life. They, there's a family of people that have this disorder and they just live a happy, normal, regular life. And way back when, people might have thought that was a way of being a werewolf. Now, wolves are not the only creatures that are seen as, um, for instance, someone that would turn from an animal to human. Like, there are also selkies, which is essentially a seal. Um, so selkies are these beautiful seals with these beautiful coats and they take off their coats to bathe sometimes and if someone finds their coat, they take it, that selkie has to stay with that person because you see, when the selkie takes off their coat, they're a beautiful woman and these beautiful, beautiful women basically are, uh, they attract men. And the story goes that a fisherman will find the coat and then will steal the coat and hide it. And that the selkie must stay with the fisherman until they find the coat. So they find their skin. And once they find their skin, they can then go back to the ocean because they can't go back to the ocean without it. They can't go home. They can't see their families without that coat. And so um, some of the stories are that once they find the coat, they kill their husband Others find the coat and decide to stay because they're falling in love with their husband and they have children with them. So it really just depends on the story. And selkies are in different cultures as well. You see something similar in Asian culture. Um, you see it in Irish culture. That's essentially where selkies originated with the name selkie. Um, they're called different things in different cultures. But, you know, the story's the same. You take the coat in... I want to say in Asian culture, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I do remember reading a manga called Ceres, one of my favorites, and the story was that this beautiful woman came down from the heavens, and she went to bathe in the pool and river or pond, and she took off her robe, her celestial robes. And men came upon the beautiful women and they stole the celestial robes. And they forced them to marry them because without the celestial robes, they cannot go back into heaven. Now these beautiful women are goddesses. They are stars. They are something other, something more than human. And so these men that stole their robes would hide them and force them to marry them. And mind you, being more of a Asian story, I want to say it's, I think it's a Chinese story. I'd have to look again. Forgive me for my lack of knowledge on that um, because I do need to look it up. 
but it's a little more graphic than some other stories could be kind of like Norse mythology is a little bit more graphic um, and so these women they have children and as soon as they find their robes they either kill their spouse and then leave or they just straight up leave like they sometimes they take their children with them especially if they have daughters but they leave as soon as they find their robes because they are not human they were not meant to be here and so you run into that with um that story as well and that manga is actually really really good there's an anime of it as well it's by Yu Watase and it's very good it's not for young children I will tell you that right off the bat it is graphic it is violent it is wonderful um, because it's the story of the descendants of these um, goddesses whose robes were stolen from them and essentially looking for the most pure one that is the most like the women that had those powers because they need the power for xyz i don't want to ruin it for you but you should read it it's wonderful um but anyway um talking about people that basically become beasts is my thought process today when thinking about the moon um i find the moon to be something of a friend something of just something that makes me feel loved and cared for you know just knowing that it's there watching over us and seeing over us um to me i i feel that connection there um on another note i forgot that the solstice was to be on sunday um last week i made a mention of the solstice and I hope everyone had a wonderful summer solstice. It was on Sunday, longest day of the year. And now every day from here on is going to be a little bit shorter up until we run into the winter solstice, which of course is Yule. Those for the lower hemisphere, they just had their winter solstice and now they're heading towards their summer solstice. Um, but I completely forgot about it. I... Um, meant to do a whole show about a solstice and what it means and all the things about it but unfortunately this girl forgot um but in any case i hope everyone had a very fun and enjoyable solstice um that we all were able to welcome the sun and uh now welcome the shorter days um, which are wonderful because now it's officially summer and it's going to be warm outside. It's going to be hot here. It's going to rain every single day, except for today, of course. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys the summer as it's coming um, and that we just have fun. Go out, do something fun, enjoy yourself. As adults, we don't typically get a summer break unless you're a teacher, but... Um, we still need to remember to enjoy ourselves and enjoy the small things in life because what's the point of living life if you can't enjoy yourself? If you can't just stop and smell the flowers sometimes? And you have to remember that you're here for a reason. Every day is a blessing and a gift. 
And every day that you choose to love those around you is a blessing on them and yourself. And like the song that I played at the beginning, Always Love, it's a very good song. Um, just remember that to choose love and to choose happiness, to choose to love others is a gift. And I hope that you all decide to choose love and to love yourself, to love others, and to care because I love all of you. I may not know you. I may not see you on the regular, but I love you. You're my listeners. You are my people. I, I speak to you every week, and we have a connection if you listen to my, my driveling, my droning, my random thoughts, my random things that I decided to research this week. Um, but I love you all, and I hope that you all have a wonderful week. I thank you for listening to my show. And remember that you are loved more than all of the stars in the sky. Have a good night.